welcome back to Tuesday at Dobbs's. Thank you as always everyone for getting in touch, the best place to do so, comment section below and if you have a longer story you can email hi at tuesdayatdobbs.com. We are deep in now to the new bike season. This is a time when the motorcycle journalists and relative people or relevant people head out, usually to Spain, and test out the brand new models of all of the bikes, whether it be the European stuff, the Japanese stuff, a lot of people right now are over in the likes of Valencia. And that got me thinking, if we look at adventure bikes, for example, and I mention this purely because I've currently got a Transalp, what type of savings can be made right now? If we look at motorbikes from two years old, or two to three years old, from 2021 onwards, what savings can we get in off-season right now, so the best time to buy a motorbike, and also potentially with new models either imminently about to come out or new models have already arrived, how big a saving can we make? I've picked four of the big adventure bikes. I've gone for the Harley-Davidson Pan America to compare, the BMW 1250GS, the outgoing model, the KTM 1290 and the Honda Africa Twin. Let's see what we can get. I'll start off with the Harley-Davidson Pan America. These retail brand new, if you want to go and get one, at £16,000. But I can find one, 2021 model, with just 4,650 miles on the clock. Just 4,000 miles on the clock. Three-year-old Harley-Davidson Pan America, 8,000. £995. That's getting really, really close to half the price of a brand new Harley-Davidson Pan America. Next one, BMW R1250GS. Now this is the outgoing model because we all know the new one is the 1300cc engine. But again, I can find one from a dealer, from a BMW dealer. 2021 BMW R1250GS, £10,749. And it comes with a top box and maybe some extra additional extras on top of that. But this is 10.7K and brand new for the base model with no extras, the new 1300cc, you need to pay £16,000. I mean, we're looking at, depending on what you want, five to eight thousand pound discounts. I'll do two more. The KTM 1290. Brand new again, you're looking at about the 16,000 pound mark, but I can find without any issue at all a 2021 KTM Super Adventure S 9,750 pounds. I mean, you're getting 7,000 pound discounts here if you're just willing to buy a three to four year old motorbike. I'll do one more. Honda Africa Twin. Brand new, this is the smaller engine when we compare it to these big ones. This is only an 1100cc engine. They are only, I'm surprised by this, 13,200 pounds for a Honda Africa Twin. But I can get, again, a three year old 2021 Honda Africa Twin for under nine grand. £8,999 with a top box included. There are 
there are bargains to be had. One of these really stands out for me. That's bike of the week. I'll get to that later. This is interesting. Insight about Victory Motorcycles. A lot have pulled me up on this. That Victory Motorcycles, they didn't stop because they went bankrupt. No, they stopped because it was a strategic marketing decision for Polaris, the owners of Victory, to stop. This is from Rebel Cowboy. Victory and Indian are the same company. Victory didn't sell as well as it was. Uh, sorry, Victory didn't sell as well as Indian because it was a new name. And the name is everything. They, corporate, bought the Indian name for just that, the name. So Polaris specifically bought the name Indian Motorcycles because they wanted to work off and play with that heritage. They then slowly made victory go away as the two were competing with each other. The same humans that bought victory bikes now buy Indian bikes. It was really an overcomplicated name change, all done in a way to look like it was not just a name change. If the public saw it as just a name change, the sales would not go up much, but the way they did it, the way Polaris did it, it looked to the general public like Indian restarted production and victory went back bankrupt. Sales skyrocketed. It was a sleight of hand. The people doing it were clearly smarter than the customer base. Someone highlighted this to me. If you look at those Polaris, those Victory motorbikes from around 15 years ago and then compare it to the corresponding Indian bikes around at the same time, there are so many similarities. It's incredible. So buying an old Victory motorbike from about 15 years ago, you are in essence, you are buying an Indian motorcycle. Moving on to economy now. This is from last week where I, I was questioning why motorbike economy is so bad. And now I have been in the past two weeks or so, torn to shreds. Number one about two weeks ago, because I said, I don't really mind going out riding in just t-shirt and jeans if it's nice weather. And if I go to Southeast Asia, I'll happily wear an open-faced open helmet with flip-flops and shorts. I don't have an issue with that at all. And a number of people, in fact, quite a few people said this is quite irresponsible. And I don't have an argument for that. I know it is irresponsible. And now we move on to the economy argument, where I questioned why are motorbikes relatively so uneconomical? Why is the economy of a motorbike, relatively speaking, actually quite similar to a car's economy? And I was going to share, my plan initially was to share lots of people's good fuel economy from their motorbikes. But I found this, this side of the argument, much, much more interesting. The response I got, have a listen to this. This is from Alan, all in block capitals. Bikes are uneconomical because of the performance. For God's sake, we're talking supercar class, not to 60 in less than four seconds. In first or second gear, if you want miles per gallon, go for a pedal bike with an engine. On to Fran. Maybe if economy is what people are after, then look at smaller engine bikes. Personally, I'll stick to my 1200cc Ducati. I mean, come on. 
We're not bikers because we want to buy into the eco argument, are we? I'll take it truly seriously when governments do. On to Mike. If saving the planet is your primary concern, then sell your motorbike and buy a push bike. One more. You just want the cheapest form of transport. Or, or you're some kind of new age tree hugger. Buy a, buy a Royal Enfield Classic 350, enjoy a gazillion miles per gallon, and for God's sake, stop whining. It's embarrassing. Well, I was, yeah, I was put in, I was put in my spot there. So the, the conversation has taken a turn because of, of the angle of arguments from all of you. And I, I have just loved reading this. It's been so entertaining, so thank you. I'll go on now to Mark, because this puts economy into a real-world scenario. It, it makes it relevant, because I know a lot of you say that, for example, I'm being pathetic even bringing the argument of fuel economy up. I shouldn't really do it. But here's where we can put it into a tangible, real-world scenario. Pictures included, have a listen to Mark. The best I managed from my Honda CBF on its EU tour was 47 miles per gallon. That was steady riding with a full-serviced bike. New tyres and touring sprockets to up the gearing. My petrol bill, this is where it gets interesting if we put it into tangible financial figures. My petrol bill worked out at around about 700 pounds sterling a month while touring. Add in cheaper Airbnb, hostels and food, and I spent around £2,600 a month. Nothing fancy, nothing lavish, no fancy restaurants, etc. I, however, this is Mark carrying on, I recollect you mentioning an MPG figure north of 60, or sorry, an MPG figure on your ride up north of 60 or just over on the Honda Transalp, and that's true, correct. 60 miles per gallon I got on the Transalp. Had I toured on the Honda Transalp 750 compared to my Honda CBF, based on 60 miles per gallon, I would have made a 24% saving on my fuel costs, and that, in real-world terms, would have amounted to a saving of £170 a month. That is not something to just overlook without considering. That's a significant amount of money, that 170 pounds, just for switching bikes. You can see how quickly those figures would add up. I continue. However, there are two bikes. Just to wrap up this economy argument, there are two bikes that for me seem to be the shining stars. And I know a lot of you will say, Freddie, just drop the economy discussion. And I will, I promise you. Let me wrap it up though with these two bikes. There are two bikes that I think really get or deserve five stars for what they represent, the economy and the performance that goes with it. I've had a lot of people sharing 125cc bikes that are reliable and economical, but I want to see if there's a bike you can do everything with. It has no downsides, yet it's also extremely economical. The first one of those may surprise you. This comes from Angry Mother. Freddie, I get 71 slash 72 miles per gallon on my Triumph Street 
900. And I'm a skinny 114 kilos, which ain't too shabby. I remember, Angry Mother, thank you for sharing that. I had a, a Triumph Street Twin 900 on loan about four years ago. And I could not believe the fuel economy figures. I was getting 72 miles per gallon, so I'll back that up strongly. These bikes are insanely economical. If you're looking for a really nice looking retro bike, you can pick these up for five grand and they'll do 70 plus MPG. They're really, really good. But I'm going to bore all of you now. I've bored all of you with economy figures and I'm going to bore all of you with the shining star of economy. Do you want a bike that will do anything that's fast enough for any situation, two up, commuting, touring, anything, and has built-in storage? Do you want all of that? And do you want some of the best fuel economy figures I have ever seen? I could pick 10, 15 different people who have said exactly the same, but I'm only going to read out Slavomir's insight here. We have the real star of the show here, the Honda NC750. From Slavomir, one workhorse to do it all, the Honda NC750X. Mine's a 2014 model and it gets 100 miles per gallon. I've had so many people backing this up. Everyone who has a Honda NC750 gets between 80 and 100 miles per gallon. Imagine that, proper performance and 100 mpg. Winter riding now, a winter road trip, not just a trip like I did up to Northern England. Now I'm talking an international European road trip from Dale. Freddie, a spur of the moment decision took me south two weeks ago from Rotherham on my 2019 Motoguzzi V7 to find some sun. France was freezing, but the promise of sun kept me going and I ended up in Barcelona for five nights for 150 euros. This is phenomenal. 150 euros for five nights, that's just 30 euros a night. In an Airbnb, which I used as a base to head north and south down the coast, 21 degree weather, it was stunning. Of course, pics attached. I returned via the Santander ferry after three glorious days in San Sebastian, using that as a base to run up and down the coastal roads from there. I covered approximately 2,300 trouble-free miles by the time I got home, and the Gutsi was brilliant. I didn't book anything ahead. I had no real plans apart from heading to the sun, and I enjoyed every minute. See, Dale, it proves it. You've shown there. You can do it. You can have national road trips in the winter, and you can absolutely still have Euro road trips in the winter. A conversation starter from Chris in the US. About a year ago, my wife sent me a picture of a Triumph Bonneville while she was at work at a local coffee shop. I told her that it was always my dream bike. She told me that one of her fellow employees was selling it and I should come down and look at it. So I immediately jumped in my car and drove down. 
I found a 2010 T100 with about 22,000 miles on the clock. The owner tossed me the keys and I went off for a short ride. I came back with a huge smile on my face and my wife just said, go ahead. I picked it up for four and a half thousand US dollars and I haven't looked back. I've been using it as a commute and I put 3,000 miles on it over the last summer and it's been a dream. I found my forever bike and in the US it turns heads wherever it goes. A lot of older gentlemen come up to me and talk to me about how they had a triumph or their fathers had a triumph for the 50s and 60s. It is quite the conversation piece. Chris, it's exactly the same here. Whenever I go away anywhere, especially if I go down to my parents in Cornwall and I'm chatting to, to bikers who just pass by and stop me, every single biker of a certain age has either owned a Bonneville or at the very, very least has a story about a Triumph Bonneville. They've got possibly more so than any other bike I've ever come across. Such a, a strong history, a strong connection to so many people, whether directly or indirectly. I think that's one of the reasons I love the Bonneville so much. Moving on to Richard. Freddie, I'm stepping away from my Triumph Scrambler XC 2019 model. After I've had some TFT and electrical problems, I was looking at adventure bikes. A Trans Out looks really good, but I did previously say to myself, I would not buy any new bikes anymore. They just lose too much money. I also got the opportunity to buy my dad's 2011 Triumph Tiger 800 XC with 10,000 kilometers on the clock for about 4,000 euros. But here's the question, but is going back to older bikes actually better built than modern Triumphs, in my opinion, a good idea. It somehow doesn't seem a good idea buying a 13-year-old bike when I'm coming off a, a four-year-old bike. I've got the money to do a new bike or to buy from new, but do I want to spend it and maybe be disappointed and also afraid to really use it as intended like I didn't dare use my Scrambler 2019 model. I was comparing specs of the old Tiger and the new Transup, Tenere and others. Look, on paper, the Tiger ain't far off, I would say. Excluding rider modes and TFT screens, what do you think, Richard? Richard, I, I wanted to do a bit of research here. So I've gone on to, just to give you an idea, before I get on to the next bit of cost of ownership. I found this very interesting. I've gone on to World of Triumph, which if you're in the UK is one of the key places where you can pick up the best, most comprehensive selection of Triumph parts across the range of Triumphs. I've gone old, I've gone your XC Tiger that you're looking to buy from 2011, and I've gone also for the Triumph Scrambler XC, the current model. If I'm looking, for example, at an entire, what shall I do first? An instrument cluster from the carburetted Triumph America. This is before TFT screens and all of that electrical stuff. 
I will pick up the entire instrument cluster, the entire setup for £411. If I'm going slightly more modern and I'm looking at the XC, so this will have to cope with a number of other electrical things, but it won't be that beautiful looking TFT display, I will be paying for the XC Tiger £960. I'll be completely honest with you. I was expecting to read out the price of the Triumph Tiger and it be way, way less than the TFT Scrambler. I saw the price, I was amazed at how expensive it was and I almost didn't read it out, but I thought that's not fair, that's not being impartial. So I was surprised by that. £960 for the Tiger XC display, the instrument binnacle, and for the Scrambler 1200 with the proper full-blown TFT display, that instrument section is £1,094. So the most expensive is, of course, the fanciest from Triumph. But have a listen to this. If I want to buy the rear light section from the old Triumph America Carburetor, that's just £124. It's so simple, it's just normal light bulbs. If I want, if I want one for the Triumph Tiger XC, LED, I thought this would be more, but that's just £102. So it shows LED setups don't have to be more expensive than the old traditional bulb setups. I found that really interesting. And I'll do one more from the Triumph Scrambler XC rear light setup, £260. So by far the most expensive bike in terms of the parts. Just looking at those two specific bits is the Scrambler 1200. One other point I want to make here, if you're looking, Richard, at these older bikes, you have to also bear in mind that eventually Triumph will simply stop restocking these parts. The old Carb Triumph America, that instrument setup I mentioned, no longer available. So you have to be able to find those parts on eBay or secondhand somewhere or do an aftermarket switch to something else because they are just not available anymore. But I would say you're the kind of rider, clearly, who wants to do some off-roading and you're not the kind of rider who wants to keep their bike in perfect condition. You want to get out there, you want to rough it up, you want to use it, you want to push it to the limit. And if you want to push your bike to the limit, off-roading or anywhere, you need to not be afraid to drop it anywhere. And from a novice off-roader, but someone who does enjoy it, myself, I can, I can tell you with complete confidence, you'll have the most fun off-roading on a bike you don't care about as much because you have to not care about your bike if you're off-roading. You have to not worry about dropping it because if you can get into a position where you're not worried about dropping it, you'll be able to push it so much more and have infinitely more fun. And that's why, Richard, I will strongly recommend you buy that old Tiger and not worry about buying anything more expensive because you want to off-road it. And 4,000 euros for a Tiger with 10,000 kilometers on it is nothing. And bikes are so good now, so long as you maintain it, that old-ish Tiger will go on forever. That will be a brilliant bike. And if you compare it, it's got 94 horsepower. Compared to the Transalpine one now, it's even more horsepower than that, and it's a similar weight as well. So you're right, that will stack up to any new bike. That will be 
the perfect bike for you. I've got no doubt at all, Richard. Happy riding, and I move on now. That doesn't lead me on nicely. In fact, no, it does lead me on nicely. I'm going for an American for bike of the week, and it isn't a traditional American bike. It's an adventure bike, because when I was looking at the start of the podcast at four 2021 adventure bikes, I couldn't believe that one of these is now down below 9,000 pounds. It's a bike I've ridden before in Tenerife. I rode a brand new one and it's the Harley Davidson Pan America. These are 16,000 pounds new and the fact that you can get one from a Harley Davidson dealership for under 9,000 pounds, 150 horsepower, the brand new 1200cc V-twin engine this is scarcely believable. You're getting 7,000 plus, plus pounds discounts on these bikes. Have a listen to this one. This is straight from a dealer. We're really pleased to be offering this Pan America, cherished by its previous owner, super attractive price. This will sell very quickly as the Harley fan club for new machines on the Pan Americas grows strongly and more passionate by the day. I think this is is almost impossible to ignore at this price. MCN rate this bike at four out of five. The owner's rated at 4.3 out of five. I've ridden it. My experience on adventure bikes, I admit, is not extensive, but it is probably the best bike I've ever ridden. The handling, the all-day comfort, that characterful V-twin engine, it's a phenomenally good, accomplished bike. It's more than all day comfort. That doesn't do it justice. It's all weak comfort. It's, I had so much fun on it in Tenerife, I can't tell you. I rode for eight hours in one day and I couldn't get enough of it. It wasn't enough eight hours in one day. It's phenomenal. Minus or under nine grand, I won't go on about it too much, but that is such a good deal. And I'll show you one more here. This is just a two year old, in reality, maybe one and a half year old, Pan America on Facebook Marketplace, Advertised five months ago, original price, advertised on Facebook Marketplace, £12,500. Reduced, reduced to £9,200. This is coming from a, a private seller. This is an over £3,000 discount and it's been advertised for over six months. It's got a factory top box, recently fitted Scorpion exhaust. It has the remainder of the factory warranty. These are, these are just incredible, incredible value. Incredible value for so much bike. And they're a genuinely good bike. Especially in Europe, we're always going to want the BMW GSs as the ultimate. It's never going to be a Harley Davidson, but I have a huge soft spot for these. So if you are in the market for a winter bargain, consider one, really consider one. I'll wrap it up there with the Harley. Thank you so much everyone for listening and watching this week's episode. Have a brilliant week all, and I'll speak to you all in the next one.